I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 453. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, here in studio with Johnny V. Four minutes and 53 seconds late? Uh, more than that. <laughs> we're not going to blame anyone. Blaming the great state of Vermont. Now their, their maple syrup slows everything down. <laughs> we'll just say we're not there. All right. Uh, tonight, we're going to have a couple special guests who we're going to get to in just literally a few moments here. Uh, we're going to have Jonathan Gomez from Gomez Pro, along with Jeff Spring from the Disc Golf Pro Tour. If somehow you were stuck under a rock today, you missed out on the information that was widely talked about, released, and uh, informed and misinformed by some. So today, hopefully, we'll get to the bottom of any and all questions and details. I will say, if you're just hearing about this first from us... Then you're in big trouble. No, bless you that we're your sole source of (laughs) of, uh, news, because getting it anywhere else is not to be trusted. Only here. I don't think it's possible we are the first source, that's for sure, uh, in this case. But nonetheless, uh, we're excited to have a little chat. Some of you will probably still have some questions. As I said in my Instagram post a little while ago, yeah, um, uh, make sure you've read the article. (laughs) There's almost most of the questions that we saw today were, in fact, answered one click away. So hopefully you've got some that are unique. And if so, we'll gladly uh, infuse them in where we can. So let's just get right to it. Without further ado, let's bring in Jonathan and Jeff. Hi, guys. How you doing, guys? How's it going? Good, good. Uh, Jeff, thank you. I, we're assuming you're out there. Yes, you're in Vermont on the East Coast, so a little bit later. Jonathan, are you are you at home or near home in Texas? Yes, I All am right. in Texas. Well, thank you, guys. We know it's probably been a busy day with a million questions and uh, probably lots of things surrounding the hype. But, uh, Jonathan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right to you. And rather than me introduce or explain what happened... Give us, give us the, uh, give us the headline news here today. Yes, yeah, so we had been in talks with the Disc Golf Pro Tour for well over a year, and uh, after the start of last season, and kind of just 
over the course of the season had been working on something like this and using last season as like setting the stage for us to really hit it hard in this off season. And um, really just a, a lot of effort, a lot of time went into this. And so we're really excited that we finally got to the point where we could announce this today uh, because honestly, we'd already been kind of operating with this in place since the beginning of this season. Yeah. That kind of goes along with, what we've seen this year with uh, the the Joe Mess camera guys carrying the live view backpacks for the broadcast, you guys doing uh, the FPO coverage with the two hot geese, awesome, great choice, all that fun stuff. That's actually a good point. That decision to bring in the two hot geese was that like a group decision or was that primarily a Joe Mess Pro decision? I mean, it was the only decision, honestly, for <laughs> I us. Mean, we that, knew if, we, if you know them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been I've been friends with with Madison for probably since I started showing up on the tour. And then of course, Erica over time been friends with her. And of course, whenever uh, there was a change in the, in the discussion of who was going to be providing the FPO next day coverage. I mean, that was our first choice. And of course it was a no brainer. So. All right. And so even though we didn't, we haven't physically said it, the, the, the news specifically today is that Jomez pro has been acquired and is underneath the umbrella of the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Disc Golf Network. Is that a fair way to put it there, Mr. Spring, CEO of the Disc Golf Pro Tour, for somebody who might not know? Um, well, you know, I think there's a, there's several ways to look at it, but we look at it as a as a reinforcement of our, our partnership. Uh, yes, you know, they've come into the Disc Golf Pro Tour family, and we've acquired the brand, but... You know, Jomez Pro will continue to be creatively directed by Jonathan. Um, and, you know, for the foreseeable future, we'll just continue, you know, with more support um, from the Disc Golf Pro Tour. And, you know, I think it makes a good amount of sense um, for both brands and uh, for both companies. I think that, um, you know, we're working hand in hand and to increase efficiencies, you know, using camera ops, um, support staff. Um, business administration. Um, it's just going to make both companies stronger uh, and we're so tied together as it is. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of our viewpoint. Um, and, and it's, it's been rolling out this season and we're excited to, you know, kind of keep going and, and see what's on the horizon. Cause we feel like we can do uh, big things uh, and that it's a really great win-win. And so you're talking about creating efficiencies uh, Jonathan, you you had Jomas Pro had twenty employees. About is that is that the right number approximately? Yeah, it was probably closer to eighteen full time okay. employees. And are all those employees coming over, Jeff, or is there a little bit of overlap? I know you know with the HR or anything like that, billing or payroll. I've gone through a thousand acquisitions at my nine to five, so I just all these things run through my head right now. Are all did we or did we did the DGPT acquire all eighteen people? It's so hard for me not to say we when I talk about the live broadcast. It's still like Jonathan can understand. There's still a little part of me. It's still my baby, just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think we were looking around 16 W2 um, from Jomez at the time where the acquisition was being finalized. Um, so the majority are, you know, coming over in the same capacity or a very similar capacity. Um, we are kind of aligning, um, you know, kind of the fun business part of the transaction is aligning, you know, HR policies, company handbook, um, that type of stuff, which is, which is 
almost complete. It's underway um, and, and is almost to the finish line. Um, in a couple of areas where there are like overlapping services, um, we're working with contracts of employees that were, you know, W-2 and that we're trying to fit in and, and see if we can incorporate and see if it's not just a, a straight redundancy, like the same position doing the same thing where we don't need to. Um, but we've been really thoughtful, uh, thoughtful as we can be and careful about, you know, understanding trying to give build in time. So everybody that was working at Jonas Pro is either a W-2 or under a contract um, with the DGPT um, going forward. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, it, there's definitely some things that are changing and that will be uh, tricky or, or hard. But I think the majority um, of the changes are, are positive. And, um, you know, I, I, talking to the the team on both sides. I think both teams are excited at, at the possibilities going forward. Well, Jonathan clearly hasn't read the handbook and the dress code. Otherwise, he'd be wearing plaid tonight with with you, Jeff. But um, that's just a Vermont dress code. That's a Vermont just, dress code. Uh, okay, he's not. Yeah, that's true. He's in he's in Texas. He's probably got boots on that we can't see. Well, you talked about contractors real oh, quick, yeah. and I just want to <laughs> I want to quickly touch on before I hand it over to Terry. The would the contractors be considered the commentators? Because that's part of Joe Mess Pro is the big sexy Barry. Are were they full time or are they contractors for Joe Mez? And obviously they're being included in this. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll jump in, but yeah, so they are contractors and they are being included and, and coming over. And so that's where it's like you know the number of employees. You know, we we have you know we work with you guys regularly with multi year contracts. You're extension, if not part of the team and, you know, employees, you know, you know, that's kind of like a fine, a fine line. You know, if you have a recurring contract in some ways, you know, you're part of the team. And so, you know, there, there are probably more people coming over and being a part of the ecosphere um, than just, just the 16 that, you know, I'm referencing, but I'll let, you know, Jonathan speak to that too. Well, uh, I, I guess I'll follow it up along those lines with, in terms of people. Some people may say, holy cow, you're up to 16 or 18 or 20 or whatever the number is or was or will be, Jonathan. Break down because, you know, we just talked about the contractors kind of being separate. And then you think of three or four-ish cameramen and you think of one or two editors generally. These are all just general maybe perceptions. Explain some of the other roles and people that uh, you've had that have been working with you and the types of things they do that maybe the rest of the world doesn't even didn't even realize. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's there's at least four camera operators, two editors, sometimes a third in there on any given, you know, at any given tournament stop. And then there's people that help us transport equipment that they find other rules once they go on the, because we, most people know we used to travel in an RV mm -hmm. after 21. We finally got out of that because we outgrew the RV model because we could only fit four or five people in there. And like, I just told you how many people go on the, on the road. I mean, so we had to switch to somebody transporting our gear for us. And then the, the rest of the crew traveling, uh, you know, flying or, or getting in a, in a, another vehicle or something. Um, and then of course there's social media, there's, uh, merchandise. So that that's three or four people at times there's accounting, you know, financial type stuff. Um, yeah, that's, it, it adds up really quickly. 
and uh, which is it's just awesome because we've we've made it from just when I started by myself and then when I started with just another one or two other people and over time you're like well now we need this person now we need this person and you just get to that point and then one day you realize I cannot believe we have this many people you know working at this what was like a small company um, at this point and it's just kind of one of those things where if you don't have that experience and running a business or growing a business you just kind of figure it out and that's really what's gotten us to this point is just kind of getting out there and just putting ourselves uh, out, out in the throwing ourselves to the fire and saying like, how's, how's this going to happen? And, and and it's been awesome because of course there's different ways we could have gone about this, but this is the only way if I was to do it all over again, it's probably still would have happened the exact same way where we just kind of slowly built and got to that point. And I know that the pro tour has seen something very similar in their experience in, in coming up from, from a, a small handful of people. So the organization, the Joe Miss Pro organization, a lot of people maybe do or don't know for the longest time, um, you know, Michael and Juan and you. And right now with this negotiation, were you the only primary person that needed to do this or is was Juan still involved or, or Michael or, or anyone? I don't know exactly, obviously, how things worked out with uh, with, with all the original employees and whatnot. Yeah, so so on the on the higher level of things, a lot of people may not know that I was a fifty percent partner with Juan Juan Luis mm-hmm. Garcia, who came in and was responsible for elevating uh, the Jomez brand in many ways. Not only from the from the graphics, uh, I think at twenty sixteen Worlds you can see the the tournament before twenty sixteen Worlds and then twenty sixteen Worlds. That's Juan. Uh, and then, of course, just any of the branding, all of our jerseys and our social media. I used to run the, the Instagram. At, 10,000 people and he ran it up to, you know, 100,000 very quickly before he handed it off because he needed to. And um, yeah, it just got to the point where, um, where Juan felt like he had kind of done, made his mark on, on Jomez and done what he had had, had come to do and finally realized that, Hey, like I, I never really planned on being here forever. And I was probably here longer than I thought I was going to be. And I had a great time and I want to leave like on good terms, you know, when I feel like this is the right time. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of when it came to at at, uh, at a certain point in last season where he finally we had had some discussions about it, but he finally decided, hey, I think this is the time. And so that's when it comes time. Whenever half of your company, you know, is owned by somebody, and then you have to say, like, either we buy it back or we have to find another partner that can take over that role. And of course, there's so many ways you can do that. You can go like venture capital type type routes, but then you kind of, then you're risking selling the company to somebody that really doesn't care about disc golf and only cares about the numbers. And that can get very dangerous because then all of a sudden people's jobs are at risk and there's no connection to seeing like being able to, to stand up for why certain people need to be there, why things are done a certain way when it's not just about maximizing every dollar. And that's where the, the conversation with the tour came in you know like it started very early in in this in in last year in the season whenever we knew these types of things were going to happen and to start having that conversation and feeling like of course having different options and 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 considering them very carefully but knowing that ultimately the tour was our first choice of of saying like if we're going to move forward and somebody's got to fill that role and help and help us continue to scale this company I really wanted it to be the the team at the disc golf pro tour. You know, I'm really good friends with Jeff. I've been friends with him ever since we first showed up on the tour and Todd rainwater. And then of course I've got to meet so many other people as we've 
continue these discussions beyond this. And yeah, it just, the timing couldn't have been better because the tour was interested in something like this and Juan was going to make his exit and we just were able to all work together. And he was a big part of that, of, of figuring out exactly how that was going to happen. And, and now we finally made this official. And, and I, honestly, I think this is a, the best case scenario for something like this to happen in a company like ours. What's Juan doing right now? If he's out, I, I'm just curious if if you know if you talk, chatted with him. Like, what's what's his next? Johnny, thing? we can't afford him either. No, I know. As as I, know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he's doing professionally, but I know that he's able to finally kind of take a step back and relax. And uh, I think he goes to a lot of LAFC games, the MLS team there in, in Los Angeles. Because I see, you know, I still talk to him. I see his stuff on Instagram and stuff, and I think he's. He's, he's doing that, and, and honestly, I couldn't be happier for him because I know that this, the stresses of this job can be very overwhelming at times, and I think that's finally when he decided, like, I, I, I want to do this before, you know, I feel like I'm here too long. And so he was able to do that and, of course, then take that time to be with his family and kind of take a load off and, and just kind of plan his next move. But he's an incredibly talented person. He did so much for disc golf, uh, and uh, I, I – can't wait to see honestly what he does next because whatever it is, it's 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 going to be big. Yeah, and some other day on another time, I'll tell you guys my greatest Juan story that may or may not have helped shape and mold part of my career. Uh, but <laughs> now I want to go over to um, you know last year it was clearly this this wild announcement that we saw Jomez Pro saying, "Hey, we want to secure ourselves lead card coverage." Uh, of MPO moving forward for the two years, for the next two years. That was the beginning of last year, I think, is when we saw that announcement. And and you were willing to pay for it. And and dare I say, it, the business model kind of flipped on its head for the first time in that we've seen you know, a lot of post-production companies getting paid to come do their services. And now the model was flipped on its head, which is what most professional sports organizations have, which is where you pay for the rights to go get footage. And uh, then that, well, I guess I, my question is, how did that factor into this year? What, what, you know, if you had that model and that idea last year, did that play any role into the decision making for last year and this year's activities? And then, and then doubling your workload by going to pick up FPO as well. So I guess either of you can answer that. But yeah, how did that factor in? Yeah, I mean, like I said, these these this conversation started very early in in the season last year there's a lot of these things that just started falling into place around the same time so of course we made that announcement and had the intention of of following through with that but because of the the way that things transpired and the fact that the contract was with the pro tour but also the pro tour was now in the in the conversation of coming in and 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 basically helping us execute this next step it really that didn't last very long but not in a negative way it was more like okay well we have this in place but how can we basically rearrange this and it made sense to do it with the the people that we had the con the contract with in the first place and so really it was just us continuing on with last season but knowing what was ultimately going to happen so maybe looking back or thinking back because we have seen disc golf grow um obviously throughout these uh, all four of us here have seen that and all of our viewers have seen that do you feel like that that uh, even that amount of 250,000 a year uh for MPO coverage do you feel like that was maybe too aggressive of an offering 
or was that within the wheelhouse of what makes sense for how much coverage should be worth? Because when you, when that was announced last year, every other company in disc golf was like, good for them. We can, we could never do that. <laughs> Nobody else could have even thought about putting out that kind of money to secure that footage. Do you feel like that was an aggressive amount? Oh, I mean, absolutely. But we, it was by design, you know, we wanted to help elevate the sport and, and, and get more eyeballs on, you know, exactly what it means to be involved in disc golf. You know, it's like the Paul Macbeth $10 million contract, you know, and it's, and it's something that we, we took the time to calculate and say, okay, based on what we know, this is something I think that we can offer and really set that standard of what it means to, to have the rights to cover disc golf media. And, um, yeah. And, but like I said, it is, as awesome as that was, things started changing very, very quickly. And so, you know, we, we basically were, we stuck to that, uh, up until the point where we knew that things were going to change. And, and so, yeah, I, like I said, there's, there's a lot of ways you could look at that and say like, should we have done that differently? But honestly, I, I, I just don't see a way that we were going to do it any differently because that was a very calculated decision that we made. So Jeff talking about the acquisition of Joe Mess Pro, the Pro Tour, and you've said it on this podcast and other podcasts, the the DGN or DGPT kind of had a set five-year plan. You know, this is when we want to be profitable. This is when we want to, you know, and I know kind of last year was the year and then it got pushed back a year because of a lot of the reinvestment that was done. Does this acquisition kind of push that back another year, another two years? Or or do you see this as being kind of a, we'll say a, a wash and it doesn't affect that? No, I think it's I think it's a positive. Um, you know, we see Joma as as pro as one of the more valuable brands in the entire industry. And so, you know, we have a chance to help grow that brand and and help be a part of the development. Um, and it's it's something that we feel like will be profitable um, and is a is a value add. Um, so. I don't think it, it sets us back. Um, obviously, you know, there's a return on every investment and, and, you know, we feel that this, um, you know, will return in a, uh, in a good amount of time, you know, a, a set amount of time that, um, you know, in the meantime, though, it will certainly not do anything but help, you know, operational sustainability from our perspective. It's a great investment from our perspective and, you know, from our perspective, the the deal last year almost had very little to do with this deal. Um, as Jonathan said, things changed quickly, namely that there was an opportunity to be become a stakeholder. Um, and then, you know, that progressed to the point where we were actually able to acquire, acquire the brand in a way that just, you know, was very synergistic, just, you know, makes a lot of sense. Our goal as a tour is to create the biggest stage for the players and uh, translate that out to the world, whether it's for people coming on site or online. So Jomez is a core part of our media strategy in making footage available for free to everyone in the world that wants to go on YouTube. And that's going to help grow the game. And, and there's a, a lot of growth that needs to happen. So if we can help fuel that growth um, at the same time, acquire an incredibly valuable brand, and, and help that brand, you know, kind of pursue uh, its dreams in, in another phase of the company. Um, we just see all those as positives. And operationally, I think it will it will only help us. So, And Jonathan, I, I, I listened to the Upshot interview. And if for everyone, you know, listening to this, if you want any other information, they have great 
podcast, great interview with those guys. Um, they, they answered a lot of the questions, but one of my questions for you, Jonathan was if you talked about the, some of the issues that you guys ran into this last year with the decrease in, uh, Patreon support, we've seen it on our Patreon. I think everybody has just advertising and things like that. They're all down. We we've seen, uh, you said the, the market or or the, the shop, the disc, the Joe Miss shop, you know, discs are easier to get everywhere now. So really, you know, we're, 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 we're selling to our biggest fans. Do you think Jomez Pro would have been around another two years if it weren't for the Pro Tour? Or would what would you have had to have done? I mean, was were you guys still profitable, so to speak? Or would you have kind of would we have seen Jonathan with behind a camera again? <laughs> I mean, I, I would do anything for this company to ensure that it keeps going. So I really think that, like you said, John uh Johnny, that this was not just a unique issue to Jomez or even to disc golf. You do your research and you see online all of the articles and all the massive layoffs that all these companies had or how they performed in 2022. This is just like, this was something that we, none of us could have, could have really seen coming. And this is basically just in real time, you're adapting to how to adjust to this. And for, for me, like our, I'm very much like, uh, what am I trying to say? I, I value like the human resources element of exactly of, of what we're doing the most. So for me, it wasn't about like, okay, well, if we cut half of our, our staff and I go back out on the road, then we'll be just fine. We had to find other ways of it's, it got really scrappy to make it happen, but that's just a part of it. You know, we were a small company and we were able to make changes um, in order to, what we were doing and never skipped a beat we never missed a single tournament you know we didn't just say well we can't afford to go to to the west coast this year so sorry we're not going to pull our end of the deal that's a big part of exactly what has gotten us this far is sticking true to our word and protecting the people that helped us get this far and and of course and in turn um making sure that we follow up on our promise to the fans and making sure that you know make good on on the on the on exactly what we said we were going to do. So of course last year was the hardest year we've ever seen. Like that's, that's no secret. And anybody that was involved in a business or ran a business knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it was going to be hard and it was very hard, but I asked, I'm also really proud of the fact that we made it through that. And now we have this new direction that we're going to take with the tour. And, um, and it's kind of like one of those things that you, you really, when you're in the middle of it, you, you really hate it because it doesn't feel very good to be in that situation. But I also took the time to be very conscious in those moments so that I knew what it felt like to be in those moments so that we could build upon that and make sure that we don't, you know, allow ourselves to like get caught off guard like that again. Cause it was just a new thing. We made it through COVID and then we saw the boom and then we finally saw what happens after the boom, you know? So that's just how it is. It's, this is nothing like, it's hard to say like, oh, we could have done this different or this different, but it was just like, we didn't know what we didn't know. And I'm very proud of the fact that all, the entire team, like we're able to, we were, were able to rely on each other to get through that. And now I'm, I'm very excited because I think we're so much stronger than it, than we were a year ago, you know, at this time. Yeah. I think the pro tour is actually unique in the fact that over the last two years, they've continued to grow and it shows a lot about the pro tour leadership, the support behind it. I know my nine to five, we're down 33%, 35% in our labor. We've cut 
over 125 positions in a five at 1.540 person company. Like they should just pay yeah. you less. They, well, Keep no, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but but it, but in general, I mean, I, again, I work in real estate, totally different kind of thing. But I I agree. I mean, it's uh, it's amazing what the pro tour has been able to do. Yeah, and, that's and it's honestly something that that we we don't really talk about enough, you know. And I'm not saying I want to get into it right now, but. If, if all these companies wanted to really get into what it was like last year, you would hear a lot of stories similar to ours or stories that involve a lot more layoffs. I know certain companies that they laid off half their staff last year, you know, and they were in the disc golf industry. And I, and I was just like blown away because I couldn't even imagine making that decision, how difficult that must be. So for us, like that was our, the resource that we protected first and foremost and had to make sacrifices in other ways in order to get through last year. And it was just one of those things that, yeah, it was just a very tough year for a lot of people. And we weren't, you know, immune to that. And we might've been even more susceptible to it because of, you know, our inexperience with navigating situations like that and just the smaller amount of staff. But at the same time, we were able to get, we were able to get really close and have those real conversations in order to figure out how to navigate through it. And and here we are on the other side of it. So now that you're part of the pro tour, DGPT, I guess, what are you most looking forward to Jonathan? Like in this new position? And I'll guess I want to flip that as well and say, what are you <laughs> least are, looking forward no, to? Or not least, but what are you most glad you don't have to do now as part of Joe Mets? <laughs> like what's the one thing that you're like, Thank God I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> we can leave that yeah, to Christine or honestly, something. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a lot of things that that you know that a lot of the the, the team members here at Jomez have had to put on all these extra hats that didn't necessarily fit our job descriptions. And I think the biggest part of it is just like the administration, administrative side of things. There's things that involve you know paying taxes and and HR related things and just and even just the higher level financial stuff that's really hard to keep track of if you're doing something else with your time. There's only so many hours in the day, and if I'm you know working on the 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 direction we want to go with production stuff and just the brand, but then also have to call you know different states and deal with them and in the type of you know obligations we have to them with all these employees that we have all around the country there's all kinds of things like that and the disc golf pro tour you know it has an incredible you know talent pool of just people that are very they're way more experienced in this type of thing and they were hired for that reason versus someone like me or someone like Juan who basically had to pick it up because it was just a necessity because we couldn't necessarily afford to hire somebody that was, that was supposed to, that was, has been trained to do that. So I'm looking forward to really just ultimately just playing to our strengths, everybody on the team, everybody on the pro tour team playing to their strengths. And I think that that's just the best way to move forward. Every company that's on a, on a much higher level does exactly that. And now we have that opportunity to do that and have access to those resources. And we can also provide the resources that we that we do that that we're best at and playing to our strengths and providing even more support to the tour, you know, from a production standpoint. And this is just, it makes the most sense that this is the next, you know, step for us. So everything you got, you you've just told us is straight from your mouth. However, others are going to of course generate their own stories or thought process to it, and and I'll spin both of them so each of you have an uh, uh, an answer for them. Jeff, to to you or to the pro tour, the statement will likely be or has been by some. 
you're pushing Jomez out, you're squashing them, you're you're oppressing them, you're doing whatever, and you're cutting them out, and you're a big a-hole for doing so, or the company is just trying to squash them. And and Jonathan, on your side, of course, people are going to say, oh, look at this guy, he's he's getting his bag and he's selling out. What a sellout. How dare you sell out? So I guess my question... Can I sell out? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Please. <laughs> my question to either of you, or to both of you, you know, given kind of those narratives... Uh, again, that are that are already out there. Given those narratives, Jeff, what would you say to when, you know, when someone says like, "Oh, that's just not fair," you know, you, you guys have been, you know, you guys are being bullies, or you're pushing them out, or whatever, or you're overtaking or overcoming them, and that's not fair, or something, something of that nature. Because I'm sure you've seen it or heard that as well already. You know, I, I think it's. Uh maybe just a concern from fans of the Jomez brand that really care about, you know, what they've produced, the, the, the Jomez has produced through the years. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a Jomez fan and I, I don't want to, you know, think that uh, something that I really care about that connects me to disc golf um, that has brought along my fanhood and connected me to a lot of the personalities that, I'm, I watch and I cheer on, you know, I don't want to think that that is um, going to change or that it's going to be corrupted. Um, you know, so I, I guess I would just start by saying like, I, you know, I understand the the concern or the, or the fear. Um, but, you know, all we can do is just kind of, um, you know, speak what's true for us and what's gone on with the deal here. Um, I wouldn't necessarily uh, say much more than, you know, there's a lot of years of collaboration and partnership deals and putting Jomez, um, you know, behind the lens on the Disc Golf Pro Tour that uh, I think speaks contrary to that concern. And I would, you know, just again, I mean, maybe every year I've, I've said in interviews, um, you know, with that same kind of fear of like, hey, this is going to change. And I really am a Jomez fan first. And um, you know, we understand that, but, you know, would say the same thing every year, which I'd say again now, which is, you know, we our our fans, too. We appreciate the hard work. Um, and then I think if people are outside the community, maybe they don't understand um, that there's not that many people that actually, you know, put their entire lives um, into disc golf. And most of the people that do that professionally do it above and beyond because they're passionate about the sport and see a lot of potential for the sport's future and, uh, and have a lot of respect for its past. And, you know, when, you know, you recognize that in a company and in employees uh, and hardworking folks at Jomez or any other company that's out on the road, you know, really grinding, you know, uh, to, to bring coverage for people at home, um, I think that it's a different perspective. You know, you understand that you don't want to lose people. You know, you want to bring more people in that will be like adding to the pool of talent that's working, you know, professionally in the industry. And usually for, you know, luckily recently, I feel like uh, professionals have been able to sustain themselves better in the industry um, beyond, you know, the glitz and glamour of, of, high paying contracts for the best pros in the world. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, when people are the people who are grinding to do that are, are getting rightfully maybe some stable, um, you know, footing to stand on as a professional in the sport, 
Um, and I, I think internally we look at it from that perspective, like this is a great opportunity to give, um, you know, more stability to a group of professionals that will help our industry. And it just so happens to look like um, this acquisition. Um, you know, I don't. So, so just getting back to my responses, you know, I think that it's a it's a legitimate concern, you know. Um, but um, you know, from my perspective, I, I don't share the concern because I, I know the relationship that we uh, that we've had with Jomez, opportunities we've had, make different decisions in the past, and. Um, know that the motivating factors are, you know, support for an iconic brand in the sport. That's very valuable. I think everybody who's paid attention to the sport understands that there's great value in, in the Jomez brand. And, you know, uh, what, what we've all kind of touched on here is 2022 is a more of a plateau year for the sport coming out of a great growth spurt. Um, we're, we're excited to be able to, you know, kind of look to the next horizon of growth and, and think about the possibilities with a valuable brand as the sport continues its march forward. Because, you know, we see we saw continued growth last year. We anticipate, um, you know, pretty standard steady growth across all sectors of the industry, um, whether it's 15 percent or 20 percent or 25 percent, depending on if it's retail or viewership or, um, you know, all the other parts of uh, what make this golf um, you know, industry that it is. So, um, you know, we're forward thinking and, um, you know, we know that Jomez is part of our, our growth strategy, not just for the disc golf pro tour, um, but for the sport at whole, they brought in a lot of, a lot of viewers. And, and that's, that's the most valuable thing for our sport is more people playing disc golf, more people becoming really big fans of disc golf, getting hooked on coverage, you know, you get, everybody knows whether it's through Jomez or, you know, other YouTube videos through, um, podcasts, um, live free live coverage from Smashbox. you know, people become junkies. And, um, then really we feel that that's good for the world. You know, we feel like more disc golfers is better. It's a great community. So, um, yeah, that's a long-winded way of answering. No, I, I I hear what you're saying, and and uh, so Jonathan, clearly, again, it's always funny to me when like a band is. I'll use a band as an example: small, independent, uh, and then they have a song, they go off, and then everybody they start seeing like you know worldwide success or something, and then everyone says, "Oh, you're just a sellout," and it's like. Well, wait, aren't you don't don't you try to like make money and be successful at what you do? But uh, some of the naysayers, some people might be like, oh, this guy's just selling out like it's just such a a move that which, again, even if it was in any capacity true, um, I don't know why it's always viewed as such a negative. But anyway, what, what do you say to someone that feels like, oh, man, this guy's just selling out to the man and, you know, and I'm not going to support them on, them on Patreon or something like that because now they're just owned by, you know, this this bigger company that does that affect you? Does that even resonate in any way with you? I mean, I, I can understand people's concern, but like you said, like we, we built this to, to be a business and to support people's livelihoods. And like we said, 18 people like that, none of that is, is, is an easy task. And if people had any idea how hard it is to be out on the road for that long and, and to support that many people, full-time payroll, you know, all that, this is something that we had no idea it would even get this big. And for us to to be at this point to to have the opportunity now to to 
partner with the Pro Tour to, to continue supporting what we've built because we knew it had gotten to a point where we needed to make some changes in order for us to be the best version of ourselves and to get back to doing exactly what we wanted to do and to have the support from the tour to help us in areas that we, you know, weren't as, as, uh, experienced in, into, into the point of what people saying, like, you know, selling out or whatever, like my, my investment is right back into disc golf. It's, it's, exactly what i want to be doing it's uh, i'm here i'm here for as long as i can be you know because i have no intention of going anywhere and i'm and i'm invested right back into into this sport and into the tour into making sure that i that i'm here to to, to play to my strengths and and do where everything i can to continue um you know, seeing the sport get to places that even now where we've seen it, that we still can't even imagine like how big it can get. And that's what I'm most excited about is to just to prove that like, I've, I'm, I'm not here because I sold out or whatever. I'm here because I'm, I'm, I'm committed to, to seeing this, uh, this next phase be as, as successful as it can be. And who knows where we'll be in another five years. Like it's all very exciting because things change so fast. So, your plan isn't to start up Joe Mess Pro for pickleball. I know you're a big pickleball guy these days. I've, I've I follow you on socials. <laughs> We're not going to see some some pickleball post production, which is a lot of peas. I love playing pickleball, and I started <laughs> out loving playing disc golf, and then it turned into that, and it became a job, which is totally oh. fine. But I would love to enjoy pickleball for at least a little bit longer before <laughs> I make it. You know, try to make a job out of it. I've just I'm. I'm very addicted to it in the same way that people get addicted to disc golf or anything else. So yeah, I'm all about it. And there's a ton of players on tour that play pickleball and we love doing it. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm committed to is, uh, is seeing this, this deal go through and making sure that, that we get started off on the wrong foot. And then whenever I do find time, I'll go play some pickleball. Yeah. But hear me out. You can, <laughs> you can go to the pickleball industry too and be like, look what I did with this disc golf industry thing. I'm just saying. Look how big it is now. Pickle, yeah. Pickleball <laughs> pro is, is on the way. Um, <laughs> Just for the sake of putting it out there as well, because again, rumors swirl and there's questions, even if they've been answered or not, or even if it's in black and white, uh, either of you can jump in on this true or false. I am getting replaced by big germ Sexton and Eula Berry. I hope so here tonight. I haven't seen you put in an application, so, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily consider you until you No, but i'm saying they're going to come take my job on live that's that's what the world oh is, i thought is. you said you were trying to come over no on tour no no no, no I, I i don't dare i don't dare uh you know try to unsurp those guys uh no th th there is a lot of question though and i know we kind of briefly touched on commentary earlier but I, I guess maybe just to put it out there for the world to hear nothing is changing that yeah the the post-production teams as of now are staying all intact live teams for the most part staying all intact it, it that's that's pretty much the game plan yeah i mean as yeah, it pertains but... to to Jomez Pro, like the, the Disc Golf Pro Tour wanted the Jomez Pro brand. So why would we come in and change, you know, what we're offering? If anything, we're like I just said, we're trying to play to our strengths and continue to improve that product. And I'll let Jeff speak to anything outside of that. Yeah, that, that's, that's what we'll put, Jonathan. I just wanted to reassure Terry that he's not going to be 
fired on air again, maybe. <laughs> not this week. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about that. Not this week. Wow. Next time we have Jeff Springer. <laughs> Wasn't that a great night, Jonathan? Wasn't that a great night? Um, somebody I, just... I mean, I don't know about great, but it, it was a night. It was one of the uh, nights of history. I'll say that. It was Some... another brick in the building of the Pro Tour. Just think about it. You, you may not be here right? if, if we hadn't I mean, all been think fired. About... Think about how far it wasn't that long ago that we had the same issue, you know, and just Mm -hmm. this is one of those things. It's like people people like maybe forget how far we've come from moments like that, you know, and then they see stuff like this. and Like, I can't believe this is happening. And what does this mean? It's like there was a time where we weren't even allowed on the disc golf pro tour, you know, November 2019. Think about. (laughs) Yeah. Think about all that's happened and then put that up against news like this. And we're trying to tell you, like, this is a good thing versus some other things that have happened. So, and I'm not trying to, like, knock the, you know, that was just a part of the process. Yeah. Like, I, this is another one of those things where it's like, it couldn't have happened any differently, I don't think. Because we just didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know what we were going to end up, how things were going to end up being, you know, years down the line. So, this is actually just... It makes for a really good story and maybe a really good documentary one day. We can really go back and we're all old and gray and and they sit us down and we just like really go through the whole story. It's just like one of those things. I was at a Boy Scout camp when I got the call, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's been a wild ride, you know? It's been fun and I wouldn't change a thing. I don't, honestly, like the good and the bad, I wouldn't change a single thing. And I'm very excited to have a, a retrospective back on this moment here, five, 10 years from now, just to, just to, so we can look back on that as well. Yeah. Some of this, and oh, go ahead, Jeff. What I, what I can say is that in terms of DGN, we, we keep, you know, being able to maybe add more people to the broadcast, whether it's through tournament central three person booths, um, MPO commentary teams and FPO commentary teams. So, you know, I, I, I mean, we've gotten to a point a couple times this year, especially once Tournament Central evolved into its current format, where we're like, we we need some more, you know, talent here uh, available. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think your your job is safe, Terry, and, and you know, maybe we just need to put you on the schedule a little bit more. But I mean, I could see the uh, you know the advent of maybe two or three or four. Uh, on-course commentators, which would be really cool for bigger events. And, and um, you know, I'm sure that, like, as people, you know, whether it's, you know, Jomez Pro folks or, you know, other players, you know, kind of move off to or, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see who fills into spots. Um, but, yeah, there you go. So some of the strengths of the Jomez Pro brand – we've always known as obviously the commentary it's as you mentioned the graphics uh you know things like follow flight and the color scheme and stuff like that jeff i guess maybe this is more of a question for you maybe it's a question for jonathan but a lot of people look at that and say wow if we brought that over to live unstoppable and a lot of us behind the scenes know the limitations and whatnot not everybody does but do we see some of the things that Joe Mess Pro does move over to live? Some things like I think of are the phenomenal pieces on players, like having something like that into the live broadcast. Or do we see the will we see the Joe Mess Pro brand, so to speak, kind of start to push into live for probably for the better? Well, we certainly would like to take any good parts, um, inefficiencies, <laughs> collaborations, uh, that we, that we can, uh, and, and add them into, 
uh, Disc Golf Network. Ar- already, we have some uh, some shooters uh, that are integrated in, and I, I think that in terms of features, you know, as if we can work them in, that may be something that we're able to do. Um, we definitely do some teases and some storytelling, and and the more resources that we can have to add to live, the better. Um, and you know, I think that what folks don't understand is is some of the importance of the tech stack we put together, the vendors that we work with, um, you know, our resources in terms of cellular encoded transmission versus, you know, satellite and RF, uh, you know, using our Remy system, where we are in the world, you know, that no matter, you know, what we incorporate over from Jomez, certain things aren't changing um, about live broadcasting and uh, the technology that we're invested in currently. Um, but, you know, in terms of the storytelling camera work, I mean, uh, you know, some workflow stuff, you know, there are things that can uh, help make a difference. And we're not going to stop trying to invest in making the live broadcast better. And some of that may be through infrastructure, uh, changes to our vendors, changes to our tech stack over time. Um, and some of that may be incorporating our you know, media team and the possibilities with the Jomas Pro Media team to its fullest capacity. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's real possibility to see, you know, whether it's branding, whether it's feature pieces, whether, you know, it's just, you know, kind of creatively knocking our heads together and seeing what can be um, added, you know, especially with an off season under our belt um, going to 24. Uh, I think it's all all good things to come. First of all, I don't think Jeff knew the term Remy two years ago, so I'm very proud of you, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, so somebody, somebody went to the NAB show. That a boy. We um, love it. And then, Jonathan, my question for you is, do you you talked about still obviously growing the Jomez brand, so to speak, but underneath the Pro Tour umbrella, do you have any interest in looking at the live side and like maybe learning a little bit more of that? You guys have dipped your toe into live, and for better or worse at times, I mean, we'll all say that, but and looking at that and being like, oh, I think I could help out here. There are things I, I feel my strengths that maybe can can come to the Pro Tour and, and, uh, and the, specifically the live broadcast. I mean, absolutely. That's what's so exciting about this is is the opportunities that open up for basically every member of our team and members of, of the Pro Tour team to kind of have, you know, that crossover, that collaborative uh, spirit to say like, hey, like now that now that we're not necessarily running like parallel to each other and independent of one another, now that we are combined and it makes sense for us to have these conversations that's that's what I'm most excited about for not only for myself, but many of the members of the Jomez Pro team that have a lot to offer that can exceed beyond just like the Jomez Pro, you know, company itself. So, of course, I'm I'm always open to I've handed off every job that I've ever had in this company <laughs> up until I got to the point of CEO. So now that I could kind of hand off some of the administrative stuff, I'm excited to see exactly where, you know. I can fit in best and whether that's with a live broadcast or just the overarching, you know, production, the direction we want to go that way. Uh, I'm certainly open to it. And um, yeah, that's, that's what a lot of the really exciting benefits of, of stuff like this is, is that we have a, a really um, solid group of, of people on our team. And now that we can see how they can expand outside of just the company and the limitations that we had and serve disc golf on a, on a bigger platform. Um, that's, that's, 
a really good byproduct of something like this happening. And I want to maybe address the elephant in the room, which is the Jomas Patreon. I know we talked, you guys talked a little bit about it on the upshot. I want you to give, I want you guys to have the opportunity to talk about it here. Jeff, from your perspective, there's DGN subscribers and there's Patreon supporters for Jomez. And then there's probably a, a Venn diagram of both at some point. Um, I, I, real sorry, I think it's really funny that we're, we've almost come full circle to when Steve Dodge had the Patreon for the Pro Tour mm. <laughs> way back, way, way back when. Um, but w- how do you see that kind of getting divided up? Because if coming from a, a viewer's perspective, if I'm a DGN supporter, and I, you know, I'm all in on live and this and that. And I see something over on the Joe Mess Patreon. I'm thinking like, well, how come I don't have access to that? Or vice versa. If I'm a Joe Mess Patreon supporter and I see things going on on DGN, I should be like, well, how come I can't watch that too? How are you going to kind of balance that with the the new, I will say, influx of subscribers? Right. I We've made a pretty clear distinction here. Um, and I'm happy to have a chance to talk about it. Um, you know, when you're a DGN subscriber going forward, any, you know, early release content from Jomas that will be announced and developed, you'll have access to just as soon as anybody else, any Jomas Pro. So like content wise, you can subscribe and know that you'll get anything early enough um, and no one will beat you to it. The pivot on the Patreon, and, and I'll let Jonathan talk a little bit more about it, is that you know, a lot of uh, the feedback we got from the Jomez Pro team is that the, the Patreon were supportive of the Jomez Pro brand and the benefits were, were a little bit secondary. Um, you know, it was like a tip jar. It was a way to, you know, support, you know, free coverage for being distributed and the hard work that the team was putting in. Um, while there were <clears throat> benefits like early releases and some exclusive offers, um, you know, the, the main thing was that it was supporting the Jomez Pro brand. And, you know, we understand that, hey, like we see ourselves as an independent company as well. You know, we're, you know, under 50 employees until this acquisition. Um, and, you know, we're all out there trying really hard to be, you know, operationally profitable, to make purses as large as possible, to build a stage for the best players in the world, the best venues in the world, and, and get that out there and grow the sport. So, you know, that said, we don't have an active Patreon um, because we don't necessarily expect people to say, hey, you know, you're putting out paywalled content on the live and we're going to support you in Patreon. So, um, you know, we understand that, you know, the concept of supporting Jomez for some people that used it as a tip jar, you know, may change. And, you know, that's, that's a realistic view. I think, I, I think for some people, they may say, Hey, oh, they're taking on FBO one, the pro tour is investing in this. There's free coverage still. And it is a worthy cost to still support into that. I would say we appreciate that. And I think it's a worthy cause myself. Um, however, the pivot is that, we are working with Jomez to really, you know, add more value to the Patreon through exclusive merchandise on a monthly basis. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll get every month, there'll be just an exclusive thing that only you can get. Um, that's, that's Jomez Pro. Um, you know, in, in the Jomez Pro team, Christina, Jesse uh, worked with our team to make sure that these, these benefits that I, I'm, I'm speaking to you know, made sense for the, for the Patreon. The other thing is giveaways, monthly giveaways. Um, 
the headliner here is that, you know, we were able to kind of supercharge um, this month's giveaway and give a free gold pass, uh, VIP gold pass to Pro Worlds. Um, what I'm, I'm running it as the TD at Smuggler's Notch in Vermont um, on Labor Day weekend. And not only do you get the gold pass for two, but it's all expenses paid. So you get two flights and um, a week long uh, to uh, stay at Smuggler's Notch Resort in a two bedroom condo. So it's like an awesome, you know, chance to win if you're a Patreon subscriber. So other giveaways like that will be available. And then there's just more, uh, you know, interconnected efficiencies where, you know, if you aren't a PDGA member and you're a Jomez Pro Patreon, you get 50% off to DGN. Um, you know, you also, you know, one time only, we're going to do um, free week of GA tickets on site to an event of your choice. Uh, for certain Patreon members. So, you know, we're just trying to be realistic and say, you know, what can we do to give, you know, the Jomez Patreon, you know, it, through through the ideas of the Jomez Pro team, more value um, and like an incentive to say, hey, I want to support this. Maybe it's not, you know, the same type of support I, I you know, envisioned when before this acquisition happened, but now I see a lot of value there and I get a lot of access to exclusive merchandise uh, a lot of options at giveaways and, all, and a lot of new benefits. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of derived from, you know, some of the team at Jomez and, and what they were recommending. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of the the change. And, Jonathan, I don't know if I left anything out, but, um, you know, that's that's my perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for, for outlining that. Honestly, there's, uh, um, as, as most people know, like, we we really – uh, wouldn't be where we are today without the support of the patrons. Um, and like we started that, I remember back when I didn't know for sure if we even wanted to do it, I didn't really know how it worked. And Ian Anderson convinced me <laughs> to to start one, but when we started touring in 2017 and here we are, like just we're, we've gotten so far off of the support of, of people that, that have been with us ever since. And the people that have come along um, over the years and we understand now that with this news, people have those kind of questions like Jeff said, like, well, what does it mean now that, you know, the, the tour is, is you guys, it kind of like says like, oh, you guys aren't independent anymore. Maybe you don't need that support. And, you know, the fact is we, we definitely still do, but we also know like understanding like what that looks like and people having those questions. And now it's, it's our job to give that value in ways that we haven't been able to before because of this, like a direct benefit of this partnership is access to these events and giving experience type things. And just the, the, the type of um, value that we haven't really been able to provide before because we didn't really have the, the manpower to, to give more than just an exclusive release here or a discount code there. Um, and just the, the tip jar aspect. So now, like I said, we've put, Many, many hours, Christina and Jesse on our team, and of course, members of the Disc Golf Pro Tour team put many hours, like over the last week, just making sure that this all looked right and that it was approached appropriately and making sure that that we could kind of ease those concerns and saying, if you were on the fence about how you want to go, you know, from this moment on, knowing now that we're providing that value to the to the patrons in ways that we haven't before, like that's our job to retain those people or to get new people in. And so, you know, I, I feel really, really good about the the approach that we have uh, from this moment forward. So talking about the content, actually, 
you know, a lot of people, most people know Jomez for post-production final or not final round, but all the rounds next day, all day. But you guys do a lot more. You have practice rounds. You have putting game. You have multiple podcasts. Are we assuming all of that stuff is staying the same and coming over? And I guess on top of that, is there any, Jonathan, is there any ideas that you have? Like right now you're sitting with me, even if you can't share them, that you're just like, awesome. I now am free to maybe try this. Like from your perspective, or maybe Jeff can answer as far as the, the, the products that are coming over. And I guess the one, the one big thing that I've heard from a lot of people is, are we going to see a two hot geese practice round? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, so, um, we, I think I mentioned this in the, in the ultimate, in the upshot, uh, interview that you know last year because of the the challenges that we had faced and because of how adam and i was about retaining certain you know things in the company that we did have to pull back quite a bit on the extra content stuff and the other projects that we wanted to and we were still able to get things like beyond disc golf and putting game you know but there was still so many other things that we wanted to do that we couldn't and as a direct result of this partnership and the the access to resources and and just being able to finally like i said before focusing on our strengths, we will be able to finally pursue so much more than we, than we were able to previously, you know, we're going to continue to elevate the coverage like we have and, and basically doing MPO and FPO next day. That's a direct result of, of this partnership. And then being able to now pursue more projects that we have wanted to, but we weren't necessarily able to, that's, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. And I, you know, I'm very excited for, for what's to come and to be able to finally, you know, talk about that more as, as, you know, this is basically just day one as everyone else is concerned, but you know, <laughs> everyone there's wants still it to be things day in the works. 30. I mean, everyone yeah, wants to know and, what's and we'll get happen. there before we know, we'll get there before <laughs> we know it. But I assure you that there will be a lot more coming that, that we're able to, you know, have the support from the tour to pursue things like that, to provide, you know, even more to the fans. Uh, I, I want to step back, and I know we're getting late, and we're I think we've covered most things, but I do want to quickly step back. This year we saw GK Pro uh, now his feature is is more focused on doing their uh, their skins match. Obviously, Jonathan, you guys have jumped in to do the FPO coverage. Was was there negotiating, or was there any kind of fight per se from the GK Pro guys about you know retaining? the FPO coverage in the sense that they had worked really hard to help generate even more interest for FPO. Uh, they kind of, you know, put that on their back for the last couple of years. I think every one of us in this room or on this show know FPO coverage is not generally profitable. I mean, if we're just being very blunt about it, it is not profitable. I know that may be better than anyone. And GK pro had, had really uh, picked up and, and had done a phenomenal job with it. And then I guess that's, that's where I say is, do you know, did they, was there any shift in momentum from those guys? And, and Jonathan, why would you want to take on a non-profitable, <laughs> um, you know, scenario in FPO coverage? I think there's a question in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I can, um, I can start that. I have one questions for Jonathan for sure at the end, but <laughs> um, with the GK, uh, with the GK, you know, it was made clear to us from them that they were looking to move in a different direction with where they put their time, energy and resources. Okay. Um, I think that they 
I would repeat what you said about, you know, getting momentum behind it, um, you know, bringing all of their resources to bear, you know, to create a great product um, and, you know, kind of developing uh, a following. And uh, even, you know, with that effort, I think that you're, you're right. The coverage needed to be subsidized and, and it's really, you know, on the event or the tour in this case to uh, say that this is important to us and, and we want um, to provide post-production coverage of FPO. I mean, this year um, we have FPO2 coverage and, and that is um, a step beyond not, you know, kind of being profitable, I think. But <laughs> mm-hmm. Shout out um, to Ace Run, by the way, who yes. are, who are usually would, watching. Would, so yes. Yeah, I would say shout out as well um, because they basically dove headfirst in, in, a, in a way maybe in more reminiscent of like, you know, 2014 teams just jumping in and trying to figure it out, you know, or, or something like that. Right. Um, but, um, you know, so, uh, you know, we are as a tour committed to having that covered and, you know, working with GK pro, uh, was, was fantastic in, in getting that coverage done. You know, they were, they were great in fulfilling it. Um, but we understood that they were a little, um, you know, kind of searching for a new identity and moving maybe in a new direction um, and wanting to focus on different things, which coincided really well timing wise with um, kind of where we were at in these negotiations. And, you know, it, I'll just take this chance to say that, um, you know, doing this deal was was very complex and, and it was a, a long process, longer than any of us wanted it to be. Um, and you know, it, it took a lot of work, time, energy, and money just to complete the deal. Um, and, you know, I think that that meant around the January, February time, we were at a place actually where we were very confident we would get to this point. Um, so we worked together to say, you know, let's, let's operate as if and look at the season um, holistically. And it just made sense to, you know, kind of, try to take the next step forward with FPO coverage um, in, you know, I, I am pretty confident that at the end of this year, we'll look and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is sustainable coverage at this point in time. So um, I think that was my part of the question. <laughs> and Jonathan, uh, you know, um, is that daunting? Is that deflating? Is that exciting? Is it a new challenge? Like how do you look at, you know, waking up and and saying we're going to take on FPO coverage, which is traditionally just a lot less viewership and a lot more shots too, uh, more editing to do, uh, but more so just a lot less viewership. And it maybe in some ways doesn't feel as rewarding, or maybe it feels more. I don't know how you look at it, but what's that like to take that on? And then maybe talk a little bit about some of the numbers you have or haven't seen. But what describe kind of that that process or that internal motivation or otherwise. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, honestly, whenever uh, Jeff first brought that up at the early part of this year, you know, I I immediately was like, okay, like I, I think that this this could work. And I took it to Kevin, who is like our production manager, and he took it to the crew and it was a resounding yes. They were so excited that there was even going to be the opportunity that we were even discussing it because I didn't know how they were going to, you know, I, we weren't just asking them, hey, we're going to shift to FPO. We were saying, hey, we're going to do both MPO and FPO in a 24-hour period, three to four times a week, five if you count something like Worlds. Like, how insane is that to to ask that of these people? But it's exactly the kind of team we have. They love a challenge. They love the FPO field, you know, as much as they love the MPO field. And they thought that you know it was an honor to be able to to pick that up and to put our touch on it because of people like you, Terry, and Ace Run Pro and um, and GK that have gone before and and done all the hard work to even get it to this point, you know, so that we weren't going to come in and say, oh, look at us, like we're going to take over and everything's going to be great now. No, it was because of the work that you guys have done in the years prior where we couldn't do it more than maybe once or twice a year because we couldn't commit to doing it full time because of what you said, because of it, it is somewhat of a liability to take that on and it is and it takes, you know, some support to even accomplish that in ways that MPO doesn't necessarily have, you know, the same uh, challenges, but yeah, it, it was all about, it was all about uh, just the being excited about the opportunity and knowing that it was going to take a lot of work to still execute it, you know, it took Kevin and, and Sam over at the pro tour, you know, many weeks to, to talk about exactly what was going to happen and how the day-to-day was going to look and how many hours everything was going to take and making sure that we could do it and promise that so that when it came time to announce it, we were committed and saying, yes, once we show up in Las Vegas, this is for sure going to happen. And then of course, you know, getting in touch with the commentators and managing schedules, you know, we now we're doing that with four to five people instead of just two to three people. And and basically the Airbnb is just like a revolving door now mm-hmm. because there's going to be, you know, the FPO comes in after their round and as soon as they're done, you know, then the MPO might come in in the evening or they might come in in the morning, depending on where we are and what the schedules are because time zones shift everything. Like there's always something, you know, that's going to change exactly what we're doing. But, you know, they've, they've just taken the challenge and just knocked it out of the park. And I'm so proud of, of every single person that has anything to do, you know, with that in, in, in this company to making sure that that is, has been successful. And of course, like I said before, this would absolutely 100% would not have been possible for one, if it wasn't for the tour, giving us the opportunity in the first place, but two, you know, giving us access to certain resources and, and, and helping us ensure that this is something that we could take on. Because we knew that it's it's going to take some time for it to become profitable, but it's a, it's a, a risk and a challenge that we're willing to take as a part of you know this new partnership because we're willing to put in you know our team is willing to put in the the time it takes round the clock at on at a tournament and promoting it on social media and getting exactly what needs to be done to show showcase the best you know FPO players that we have. Um, and I'm just so stoked in, in just as the most recent example showing Cat Merch's story. Like you couldn't have planned that out. Like the fact that we did that profile piece on her in round one 
and she was being very vulnerable about you know what disc golf meant to her and her journey and to see going to a playoff against Haley King and then just you know bursting into tears as she taps in and gets her first elite series win like this is exactly you know why we're very proud to have you know this responsibility to to broadcast that to the world and I know that on the live side you guys all felt the same way because these are the stories that we're here to tell this is exactly why we do what we do no matter how you know, tough it can get out there. We have years like we had last year and we, you know, we drag out, you know, every part of this, uh, this agreement that we worked on for many months to make sure it's exactly right so that we can be on the ground to do exactly that. And that's what I'm so excited about is like, there's just, there's more of that to come because the players are doing their part in, you know, elevating their skill levels and seeing younger players come up and our, our crew is doing our part and the fans are doing their part by watching and giving us feedback. So I'm just getting really pumped now that, that we're talking about exactly like why we're doing what we're doing. And of course, on the MPO side, you know, seeing Calvin be so dominant, it's just being there on the ground and having, you know, it's, it's not as much of a job as it is like a privilege. And it sounds so corny, but it really is because we have a front row seat to these moments. And we have people that are very passionate about what they do to all come together and the tour to even give us the opportunity to be on the ground at an event in the first place. And the players and the media come together to make it all happen. It's just like, it's, it's such a privilege and it's just an opportunity that I couldn't imagine, you know, having uh, without the crazy journey that we've been on up to this point. And this will be my last question. I know we're, we're, get, we're getting late here. Um, and it kind of involves lead card coverage. Over the Some of us have known about what's going on behind the scenes for a few months now. You know, there's been rumors of it, at least behind the scenes for the, the employees and the contractors and stuff. And so over the last couple of weeks or even months, we've seen a lot of chase card winners coming out. And so there's been wonderful, funny memes, the, the Jomez gatekeeper guy, you know, memes and whatnot about how, you know, people are like, oh, Jomez has to be hating this with all the, you know, the chase card things. And I don't think you've even commented on it, Jonathan, at all. But are we going to, first of all, I guess you can, you can, a lot of us were just like, yeah, I don't think Jonathan really cares that much right now that the, that the chase card, <laughs> that the guys over at gatekeeper are getting their shine. But are we going to see now that, you know, Jomez is part of the DGPT. Are we going to start seeing a slightly cha- a slight change in post production where maybe we'll include more chase card stuff if there if that happens? Because part of what a lot of people say is like, man, I wish Jomez was covering the top two or three or four cards because we don't know where the winners are coming from anymore. But we also highly all of us respect what Gatekeeper is doing. So. Jeff, maybe you can answer it. Jonathan, maybe you can answer it. Are we going to see any sort of more mingling of footage? Yeah, so I'll I'll say that this is a great problem to have. I love it. It doesn't, like, of course, it's kind of a bummer to not have the full coverage of when somebody comes off the chase card, but I couldn't be happier for disc golf in those moments because it's just like, okay, this is another challenge for us because we started with one camera, and then we needed two because it was like, wait, now I can't see around the corner in the woods or something. Or they're throwing further and now, you know, one camera is not good enough. And then three because we want to see the reactions and four because we want to see slow motion replays. This is just another step in the evolution of disc golf coverage. And this is exactly why, you know, what gets us excited to get to have these challenges presented to us, knowing that the product that you see now is not the product that's that 
you know, we're happy and content with and that we're going to stick with for even the next year or two. And it's exactly those types of, of things when they happen. And eventually we're going to start seeing that happen in the FPO field as they get better and the fields get larger. So, and then having this partnership in place and knowing that the tour, you know, has other camera people and, and gatekeeper is out there as well. And they do an incredible job. And I, like you said, I'm so stoked that they have those opportunities and we are more than happy to direct people to that. Whenever we say that so-and-so won from the chase card, go watch the entire round over there, you know? So there's, there's going to be a lot of conversations had as far as like what the next evolution of coverage is, but of course a more complete coverage would be ideal on the post-production side because the live side already does that, you know, because you guys have been doing that and you guys have been adding more cameras and you even have a camera that can go to the fourth card, you know, to catch when somebody's, you know, James is shooting 17 down or something, you know, it's just like, it's just one of those, one of those things. So my, yeah, to answer that question, it's, it's a, it, it's a welcome challenge. It's, it's something that gets me really excited and it's something that uh, we continue to, to keep, uh, it just keeps us on our toes you know, to, to say like, okay, what's the next evolution? How do we, you know, give people the most complete version, you know, of the story? Jeff, is that difficult to balance with someone like Gatekeeper where, you know, they're, clearly they're going to want like, oh, the winner came off our card. Let's, you know, we, this is our precious diamond. You know, we get our, we don't, we might not be able to get lead card, but this is them. Is that difficult for you to balance those kind of pressures? Well, I mean, last year, Gatekeeper and Jomez came to us and just checked that it was okay that they did that um, themselves. Um, and I think that happened like at 2021 Worlds and uh, at select tournaments in the past. So, you know, what that says to me is that, you know, it's not a protective, um, you know, oh, oh no, like they're going to highlight what's happened at certain moments on the chase card that's relevant to the lead card outcome um i i think that the chase card coverage is compelling to fans that want to see the entire card uh, and want to see what happened and and so you know there's even if there is some action cut in which i would like to see to answer your question i'd like to see more uh sharing there and, and cut-ins uh and telling a fuller story and we'll see how that evolves i don't we don't have specific plans but i think it makes sense uh, makes too much sense not to consider and look at, but from from the collaboration Jomez and Gatekeeper have had in the past, I, I think that it's something that you know can be worked out uh, collaboratively, and that um, you know if people want to see shot by shot, um, it's because you know you want to go and see every shot of that player and um, what happened on that card. Um, but certainly, it's it is precious for. Uh, someone like gatekeeper to have, have that footage and and that's not going anywhere for them. And and I think that they'll, even if there is more storytelling on lead, um, it's not going to affect the the fact that if a winner comes off chase, they're going to see more viewership. And this is, I promise this isn't a question. This is more of a shout out to Mo to yell at him. Like we, we, now that there's more resources, we need the, the, like the hyper cut of the James Conrad round from the fifth card. Just James Conrad. Like now that we're getting more resources, these type of things will hopefully be available because if someone's going to want to go back and like, holy crap, James shot a 17 and that's great. Point him to the live coverage. But let's be honest. I'm not going to want to even myself who loves live coverage, who's, you know, made a made, made my bones on it. I don't want to sit and skip through like, okay, there's a shot from James. There's one. We should, we should be leveraging this stuff to be able to 
put out on the Patreon or the DGN, like the highlight of James Conrad's round, you know, holes two through whatever, when we realized he was going to shoot a crazy 17 down. Yeah, he's got to tell us ahead of time, though. It would help we out. We caught him on hole 12 because yeah. everybody well, starts shooting well. The on good that thing course. about that is this is not even close to the last time it's going to happen. And the more the further we continue to evolve and grow, the more cameras we're going to have out there to the yeah. point where we'll probably have the top five cards covered. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just the natural progression of these things. Think about, you know, golf does that. And they certainly didn't do that at the beginning. And we are still in our infancy, honestly, like we're still in the very early stages of, of <laughs> disc golf media. And it's, and it's great because we're making the most of what we have access to, but it's only going to get better for us. And we're only going to be able to find more. And it just so happens that the players are also continuing to get even better. So it's just, I, th- I think it's just a great time to be, you know, in disc golf. And um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's very exciting. And it, like I said before, it's, it's, it's these types of, it's these types of challenges that keep us, you know, wanting to continue evolving because it's not always going to be perfect. And it's, it's just one of those things that it kind of builds up, you know, that character in all of us that want us to continue to fight through and, and, and to continue grinding so that we can get to those, you know, that, that next level and just be proud of where we've come from and where we are now and just looking forward to what you know, lies, lies ahead of us. Uh, this, this will, I think, be my, maybe my last question. It's kind of random compared to a lot of the others, but uh, we, Fair to say that Jomez Pro likely will not be at any non-elite series or non-majors and pro tour events. You know, it, it, I guess is that a fair statement? Uh, do you guys have any, you know, uh, inclination to go do post-production on a different A tier or a different uh, some other event? Is that is that kind of by the wayside now, or or just something that just simply there's not enough time and resources for? I mean, I wouldn't want to take over any more than that. You still have need content for your channel, Terry. So exactly. <laughs> he's worried. I mean, I he's know. shaking. Me yeah, his Will face, you? his face got even more scared. red than it was before. I know. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, like you're, you're not going to be at this event next week. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't give yeah. us any ideas. Don't name any names. Terry. No, it's, I know. I'm, I'm sick things. of discovering all these great events, these great courses and these great uh, communities. And next thing you know, the pro tours, there hosting an event the next year, taking my, taking <laughs> my, no, Terry, you're such a trailblazer. Jeez, you guys no, keep stealing awesome, it. Terry. Don't don't blow up his head. No, but honestly, <laughs> it's it's we 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 do. You know, I'll speak really quickly, and, and Jeff can chime in. But we do really do have our plate full with with just a <laughs> slate of everything we have and doing double coverage. But another just another one of these things. Like we're we're always going to be looking to see like what could be next. Do we add Silver Series next next mm. year? Do we do we go to other A tiers? You know, because it's just one of those things, but as it stands now, it just as quickly as things have evolved, you know, we do, we we already are 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 asking a lot of of our crew, and and but the good thing is it is still at double the amount of coverage that we've ever done before, mm-hmm. even you know even with just with the tour continuing to add more events and 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 making them the highest level events possible. So, you know, it wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do that if they weren't continuing to do that year after year and pushing and doing the research on where to change a venue or or how to change a course. You know, Jeff was just out there today on uh, at Smugs, you know, making changes, you know, for that exact reason. So <laughs> that's why, you know, we love that because we don't necessarily have to to put in the time to, to, to think about things like that. So that as long as when we show up, you know, we do what we do because they've gone ahead. And, and of course, Terry went the year before, wherever it was. 
I was just thinking one of the things I'm really excited about uh, some of the, the, the Joe Miss pro hole previews are some of the best in the industry, like the overhead shots and the, and the bouncing lines, like getting access to that in live, like, cause those are yeah. all pre, those are all pre-produced. So being able to bring mm-hmm. those in and I mean, shout out to the drone previews and what we have now, but just the, the additional resources that live is going to have. And I'm greedy that way, but it's good. It's great. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> no, it's all a good thing. Like we're, we're not really in a in a position to be greedy. We're just need we're we should be in a position to be grateful that we have access to the things that we do have because it's all going to just help us all, you know, have a better product uh, for the fans. Awesome. Well, I guess I'll ask: uh, is there is there any other final things, parting shots? Uh, or, shout out to your sponsors. That's yeah, what we shout always out to say. Your <laughs> um, or or maybe any other things you'd love to dispel, you know, anything's we didn't bring up where it's like, Oh yeah, I saw this today and it's just dead wrong. And here's why, you know, just basically open <laughs> floor of, of anything else that you want to address or, or not before we let you, before we let you both go. I'll um, just thank, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, just thank the, the team, our team that helped uh, get the deal to the finish line. Um, want to thank, Sunstein, um, who is a, a great partner on the on the legal end, um, both Steve and, and Tom with Sunstein were were awesome. Uh, our board of directors and, and advisors, um, Margaret, Michael, Pat, Govang, and, and Todd, of course, um, were all instrumental um, in put a lot of time, hard work, and energy um, into getting the deal done. And as I mentioned before. You know, is is a lot is time consuming and, and hard work both both sides to to get to this this point. Um, you know, and, and you know, collaboration uh, and continual improvement are core values uh, of the tour, and and this checks both those boxes. And that's where you know we're coming from is you know trying to elevate uh, the tour, the disc golf network, um, and build that stage even higher. So didn't see anything I wanted to spell per se, Terry, but you know, just put out our <laughs> You know, looked hard enough. And, yeah, I'll, I'll text and, you some rumors tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Well, we can do the after show or something. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, and, and it's not that even if I read everything, I wouldn't want to, you know, respond to it. You know, I just will state our intent um, coming from, you know, our, our heart and the truth of the matter for us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're excited about the future and, um, you know, just excited to work you know, more closely with Jonathan and the Jomas team, um, it, you know, really hand in hand, you know, and, and taking advantage of some of the opportunities we all have in the future. So, you know, just looking forward with optimism. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, I, I also want to thank every, everyone over at the pro tour team, like, like you said, Todd and, and Michael and in your, and you, Jeff, and so many other people that are that kind of plays to exactly what I was talking about. The benefit of this is just a huge support team they have over there and helping us get through this in ways that, you know, this is obviously a very new process for us. We had no idea what to expect. And they were very instrumental in helping us, you know, keep our heads on straight when it felt overwhelming to see exactly what was ahead of us. And of course, on our side with myself and Juan. And our, our team leaders and, and our certain departments and, of course, every employee that was very, very gracious and patient with us while we went through this process, knowing that, like, this is going to happen, but, you know, we can't exactly have everything happen all at once. And, of course, you know, they were very patient 
and, you know, getting to the point where we could make this announcement. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's been in, in a very memorable experience. It's been pretty insane. Like to think about how, how long ago this started to where we finally got to announce it, you know, at this point, but knowing that it was all worth it because now we, can get to work like we already have been at work but now that people know and i know they're going to be paying attention and there can be drama all over the place and people can say whatever they want but now it's up to us to you know to put to put our work and let our work speak for us you know because interviews can only do so much and really it's just time to to put that and let that speak for us and and show people exactly the type of benefits that can come from something like this and how it can really help disc golf continue to grow well, I look forward to the future Jomez Pro documentary about the Jomez Pro acquisition. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> it's going to be phenomenal. I, I want to I want to see the Smashbox documentary. You guys, you know, I want to see that one. Oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. There, there'll be a spot where a lot of us would intersect, Jonathan. And there's 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 a few years yeah. there yeah. that could be a lot of fun. There's Actually, a lot of stories. it could just be the, yeah, it'll just be the overall disc golf media documentary. <laughs> yeah, the disc- I guess we'll just have to do that because there's a lot, there's a lot to go over. But, you know, it's just been awesome, you know, being alongside you guys. I don't know what how many times I've been on the podcast, but it's just cool if you if I was to to go back and just to see where we were in every single you know version of disc golf media every time I've been on for one reason or another. Like I I love just being able to reconnect with you guys because I don't get to do that as much. But um, it's it's been it's been an honor to to have you know gotten this to this point. We're all still alive. We don't have as many gray hairs <laughs> as we could, you know, and so it's it's awesome it's it's such a it's such a treat to be able to come on and kind of reconnect with you guys and and just uh i look forward to the next time and whatever it is that we we get into next so thank you guys for all your hard work as well because you have a lot to do with things like this happening well as you know thanks obviously to you too as well jonathan because i truly believe that the pro tour is better because all of us whether it's Smashbox or or Joe Mess Pro or GK or Gatekeeper, just you disc like we've all had the fortunate time to come together at the right time and grow the tour to what it is now. And I look forward to I look forward to being able to steal a lot of your assets from the post production stuff in live. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a great. I'll, I'll tell. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for uh, the the insights, the details. Uh, as much as you could share. And, uh, you know, as you said, there's just the incredible amount of work it took to get yourselves to this point, to get help get the Pro Tour, Jomez, the network, everyone to this point to where we are. And uh, we're, we're all going to look forward to what this has in store for us here, not only in the remainder of 2023, but as we move forward in the future. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Have a good Thanks night. Nice. Take good care. Night. All right. You too. See ya. Thanks to Jonathan and Jeff for joining the show. Much appreciated. And I understand from a, uh, a, a, a outsider's perspective how this can be scary. I truly do. I've, I've, I've read a lot of the comments. But what I really lean upon is just telling people to look at the Pro Tour's history. Like the last three, four years. At what point has anybody... I'm sure there is, but have you had a real reason to worry? Like what has the, has the pro tour ever done anything to really dissuade your trust? And I, I don't feel there's any really big glaring uh, 
things. So what I'll say is from the from a you know viewer's perspective and working with both of these guys, but more so Jeff Spring, trust goes a long way. And and I I trust what the Pro Tour. I know the guys that work on the Pro Tour. We know them mm. very well. I understand where they're coming from, and I think that we just need to kind of look at it and say. And give them our trust to start out with until they, for whatever reason, break that, which I don't think they will do, but start out with trust. Yeah, I mean, I trust them more than you. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, again, it, it's it's been a wild day because this obviously has been such a large announcement at such a scale. And... Uh, I'll, uh, if you've listened somehow this long, hopefully you have all the answers that you need uh, overall. But if you somehow missed anything, not only was there a press release and an article then written about it, Ultra World has done a podcast at this point uh, as we're talking, but then also there was a Q&A on top of it that kind of addressed uh, some of the things, uh, plenty of things that we didn't even touch on as well. Uh, so it's all out there. It's all available. And uh, I'm sure if you have questions, there'll probably be more follow-ups or details released uh, of anything else that somehow may or may not linger. I, but for the most part, I can't I think. feel like most of it has been uh, discussed and uh, has been now talked over. So. Yeah, I can't think of anything that hasn't been touched on uh, uh, between all of the different uh, social medias and such. So, Terry, there was an actual event this past weekend, an exciting event. Oh, I know. Yeah, you you got to comment on it. You probably know more about it than I do. Yes, I do. Um, let's start Way with. More. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> let's start with the Jonesboro Open, uh, the played against sports Jonesboro Open, powered by Prodigy. They've had FBA. that name for a while. It's still long. It is still long. It's not as long as some, so I'll give them that. Yes, but, but trying to fit it all in to do my best mm-hmm. to uh, recognize all the representation <laughs> is not as easy as some would think. Yep. It doesn't. All of that, no matter who it is and what the words are, the quantity of those words don't all just flow off your tongue. Correct. And you can always look at when you know when an event has a long name when in the live broadcast, the bug in the upper left is has just to like three characters has to either abbreviate or it's just cut off. I think at one point <laughs> I just saw it like uh, I think it just said like again, sports or something Jonesboro open, but winning on the FPO side and letting out maybe the most the most visceral yell I have probably maybe have ever heard cat merch after winning. It was emotional. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. Cat played very, very well. She went into a playoff with Haley King and won, I believe on the very first hole mm-hmm. and then proceeded to just scream, like just let out all this, I don't know if I don't want to say it probably wasn't frustration, but just emotion. She'd probably been holding in. This was her first elite series win. And it, it, it showed her mom was there. There's a really, there's a really cute moment with her holding the trophy and turning around. And then just, you see her recognize her mom who was, who she probably knew was there, but in the big hubbub blanked out of her mind. And it was almost like a, Oh, you're here. Even though she probably knew she was there. Um, so congratulations to cat merch first and foremost. Um, what what a great showing just well played all around G- good three rounds Haley King played two really good rounds and one not so good round in the second round which is really uh, what led us to this playoff in third place a name that some people maybe not don't know you Terry you and I know this name and if you're paying attention to maybe a little bit further down the FPO leaderboard this year you would know Aria Castorita. 
She was also the rookie of the year last year. Aria making her first podium at the Disc Golf Pro Tour events, shooting a 19 under par, three strokes behind. At one point, she was right there with the other two. There was a three-way tie. Yeah, she had the outright lead. Even. Yeah, she had the outright lead at one point during the final round. And unfortunately, just you know, took a double bogey on hole 12. And at that point, it became less and less likely. And then two more bogeys. But ultimately, Aria showing that she has pretty good distance. Mm-hmm. And her, I, we always, I always knew her putt has always been pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Just an all-around solid player. And, and it was really exciting to see Aria have that chance. I believe that was her dad that was on the bag for her. Aria is one of three girls, three sisters that play. There's Melody and... Give you a hint. Her uh, other sister's name... Uh, crap, I can't remember. I know Melody. Also plays in FPO. Her other sister's name yeah. is the same name. Yeah, that's not going to help me, Terry. Who tied for first, but lost. Uh, oh, Haley? Yes. Is Haley Castrita? Yes. I didn't realize that. Spelled, okay. inc- spelled, spelled differently. Spelled, <laughs> spelled differently. differently. Okay. Spelled differently. Uh, fourth place... <laughs> Uh, Holland Hanley. Uh, Holland was, you know, right up there for a little while in the in the mix of it, but ends up uh, about five strokes behind first place. Cat Merch, fifth place. A name we really haven't mentioned much at all this year, at least in this aspect. Evelina Salonen. Evelina, I think she made a social media post about how happy she was with her play, and this is from someone who I believe first round missed. Eight or nine circle one putts just yeah. in the first round, but clearly turned it around. This is, we all know this tends to be a thrower's core. So if there was an event that really set up for Evelina, it was this one. You know, she, she's always phenomenal tee to green. It's just getting, once she gets inside that circle, all bets are off. Um, but ultimately Evelina, a good way to see her off. Um, she's going back over to Europe for a few weeks probably through the European open. And then she will, I believe, join back up on the tour, but ultimately congratulations to Evelina Solonen on a, on a well-played event, taking fifth place, sixth place, Kristen Tatar, a, a total, I don't I say let down as in people are let down, but this is the week where you just come off of a mass uh, of the major win at the champions cup. She's going home as well to Estonia. It, it was, not surprising maybe to see a down week from her. And even though she made a run of, you know, she had, she went birdie, 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 double, double birdie, birdie to, to finish out the round. There was even some thoughts at one point after her first three holes where she went birdie, birdie, birdie. People, like, uh-oh. people were thinking like, is, does she have a chance to catch up? And yeah, it, it was, it was, I don't want to say scary, but there was a, the thought was in the back of the head. Seventh place, Ella Hansen. Eighth place, Henna Blumros. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that for somebody. Uh, ninth place, Heidi Lane. And tenth place, Missy Gannon. So congratulations to our top ten FPO. Terry, do you have any takeaways from the FPO field for this past weekend at Jonesboro? No, the only... I, I One of the things that I'll say is I'll just reiterate that it was so great to see Aria perform the way that she did. Uh, I feel like, I don't want to say I feel like it was glossed over because we certainly talked about her and we obviously covered her during rounds two and three. So I, I just, I 
just want that to be a real statement because when she was vying for the win and there was only a handful of holes left and she was very much in contention or had the outright lead all the way mm-hmm. up until, uh, you know, at, at 11 or 12 up until that point when she was sitting on the lead, she was at that point the youngest person that we would have seen winning on the Elite Series at just 17 years old. And obviously she didn't go on to win. We get it. But... It just for some reason, and maybe it's because we haven't seen her a ton in media, and and because she's not flashy, so to speak. Uh, she obviously is a solid player, and it was just awesome to see. I don't even want to say her. I don't want to say break out of her shell, but she looks a little more comfortable than normal. <laughs> that's uh, true. Even out there, and that's what I love to see. Was super excited about it. Again, I, I I will brag that I've known her family now for a number of years. And this goes all the way back to Junior Worlds a few years ago when we were at uh, in Emporia, and then seeing what she's done on the on uh, the Next Gen tour, and just seeing the entire family, um, I, you know, watching all three of you know her other two sisters as play as well. And and I, the the story I briefly told was that at one point I had a conversation even with her dad about filming and footage and types of cameras and you know the fact that he's got footage her dad had footage of her first throws ever when she was you know three years old or four years old like how awesome is that you know in the the big picture and he has probably hundreds of rounds of footage so when the documentary does get made (laughs) for the uh one, two, or three of those sisters that play. Hopefully, he'll be able to cash in on a few dollars for some of those licensing rights uh, on on that footage. So, absolutely, just awesome to see. Congratulations! Uh, you know, third place. It, yes, the playoff, of course, took a ton of the excitement. Understandably, yes, the ultimately the home state girl cat won. So, there's all these great stories. Back to back home state winners. We saw Georgia last week at Champions yeah. Cup with Isaac, which. So plenty could say that's just pure coincidence it at this point. Could be. Uh, most certainly. I mean, uh, you know, then you say, well, we saw Vinny who <laughs> it doesn't matter. He wins wherever he goes I, or can win or has one or just likes to keep winning here. He certainly likes Jonesboro. Apparently. So it, it, you know, it is what it is. But awesome, awesome uh, to see all that. And then the other quick kind of side note on the weekend was very much of course the uniqueness the unique unfortunate scenario of Haley King and her misplay. Oh jeez. Yeah. And and I'll tell you even that night we went back and looked at a little bit of footage. I'm personally not positive how it exactly happened other than thinking Haley went up to check her lie to see where she was. And at that point is maybe when she dropped her other pink mm-hmm. disc, she dropped it down by her side. Like, Oh, you know, I don't need this. You know, my, my, me or my caddy will get it later. And it, cause then it, she, she went and ultimately played from that, which cause I, I believe even, they were both pink discs. They that are, they were. Yep. They yeah. were both pink discs. And even more coincidentally, she played from the worst lie. <laughs> like, you know, to, to prove there wasn't a, an intentional cheating there. Definitely the putt that was 20 feet closer was the much much higher percentage, more likely putt. And so it was just really mm-hmm. interesting to see that play out. Um, you know, at first, well, let me be very clear. I didn't realize that that's what she had done. I didn't realize it right away. I, had, I saw her putt, and then what felt like just a second later, I saw her putt again. And I'm like, wow. And in my head, I was thinking... 
man, she got a nasty rollback off the putt. She putted, oh. and then it rolled back. Like I feel like she should be right next to the basket. She just hit it, you know, hit the basket, connected with it, and wow, what it took a nasty roll. And then when she putt again, I still didn't. That's what I was thinking. So it wasn't until a few moments later, I don't know if it was production or if it was just the hubbub on the course, is when we then realized that it had happened. And again, still not really sure how it happened. Now, I, I, um, I was going to say right away when I when I watched that and I happened to be watching, I didn't watch a ton this weekend, but I happened to be watching right there. She went up and, and threw from her from the not good lie from the wrong lie. And then. When she went up to right in front, immediately I thought, oh, my God, I knew right away she played from the wrong lie. Mm. And my initial thought was, which we've seen in the past before, I thought she picked up her, she marked her disc, picked it up, and then tossed it behind her, went back to her bag or something, and then came back to the wrong Mm. lie. That's what I thought at first. But looking at the footage, that is not exactly how it happened. Because her other disc was still sitting there. Her other disc was still sitting there. But that's what I initially thought she did. Um, I knew she played from her it from it was, I knew it was from her disc, the wrong lie. I just didn't realize how it happened. And I think you're right. I think she did just maybe drop it and then walk back knowing she did. Oh, I don't need this disc and I'm going to grab a different one. But yeah. And at first I thought, well, it, did she play from someone else's disc? I'm like, and then in my head I was thinking, wait, nobody was around her. <laughs> well, and she's who's she playing with? Who's else is on her card? She's playing with Aria who has a different sponsor and would have, been in theory some form of latitude or trilogy disc. Um, also on the card by, was Missy, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Missy, and she would have had a different branded disc. You know, so I was just trying to think about how that could have unfolded or what took place, and then to realize it was, realize it was hers and it was a pink one. Um, Ouch. You know, I can understand that. Now, let's be honest, and I know somebody on the board just said, well, you know, uh, someone made a mistake under pressure. No idea how that could happen. I, I'm not I'm not like mad or screaming that, oh, my God, you know, what a, what an I don't, unbelievable mistake. I'm not saying that. And I don't think it had anything to do with pressure. I don't think it was the pressure. I think she was also not in a good frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And she was it was a byproduct of her frustrations. And maybe it could have happened on any other hole as well where she was not frustrated. But I, I think it's also a very fair statement to say she was agitated irritated, frustrated with her own play up until that point. And so it was a very easy, it was a much easier slip of the mind at that point. I think if, if she's, if she's six under through six, I'm guessing that's, Uh, and that's nothing more than a guess. I'm just guessing she's a little more dialed and focused. And in this case, we were super frustrated, which I can understand. And then this just added on to it, compounded the mistake. So that's what I'll say about it. It was interesting that it happened. It's kind of an interesting teachable moment for the rest of the world, obviously, at the same time, because you could see if it's happening to our top professionals, it could happen at any given tournament. Uh, it's a it's a good reminder to have your rule book or have access to the rules always so that if you do need to look something up, it's right there. That's exactly why the PDGA officials test is open book so to speak you're not you you can take it anywhere anytime because you always have an open book because you always have an open book you have those opportunities to go look up the rule they're really testing to see how good are you at researching and finding the rule (laughs) so um and so and for whomever said it a few minutes or hours earlier like that that whole cost her the tournament no i mean you could say that literally of any stroke her not throwing a good tee shot on 10 uh the first playoff hall you could say cost her the tournament her uh you know 
yeah, I that happened in the middle of round two, and every stroke does count. Every stroke matters, but the the but every mistake in theory cost her the the event. Every single one of them. Any pick well, any one of them. It, it, yeah, yeah, anyone. So, so there's, I don't know. So anyway, uh, it was just it was something we don't see every day. The, now here's the uh, if that was incident. I'll say if that was a two stroke penalty for some reason and she lost by one, I would say yes, that maybe cost her. But it happened on the seventh hole of round two. I, I, I understand that. But because it's a there's one all, stroke penalty, there's, you could pick one stroke out of anywhere. Again, if you com- compound them into more two. Holes she played after that. I understand that, Terry. I, I, I just don't firmly don't believe math. in that. She does that on the last hole. It's still just it, all the strokes still matter. You do it on the last hole where you were going to be tied. And does it feel different? Maybe at that point. Sure. But if you miss a free throw in the first minute of the game and you miss a free throw in the third quarter, it's the same one point. That's it what just, I'm saying. One it point. Feels if it was, different. It feels different. Two. I guess is is yeah. is something I I do understand. But it's the same. If you miss a lay, the same. If you miss a wide open layup for for a win for two points, <laughs> is that different then? Like you, you, literally, we've seen in the NBA. You've seen that in the last second, player goes up, just goes for a reba or goes for an easy layup for the win, just yanks it. Does that co- is that what cost you the game? I, People I don't say know. so. One and two points in, in basketball and disc golf. There's a di- there's just a difference. All right, let's talk about the MPO. Uh, this was a what, this before was, that. Was oh. there a coincidence? Just nothing more than raw coincidence that there was a misplay involving Haley at Jonesboro again three years ago. Yeah, it's a coincidence because it happened with kind of crazy between we, her and Paige Pierce. We just don't see them happen often or things no. of this nature. We and don't. then it's it is Haley. It's the same course. It's the same tournament. Different scenarios. Different slightly. discs. Different discs. <laughs> but just a different hole. I get all of that. It just was that was a little it's, bit eerie. It's a it's a coincidence. Because how many other Definitely. misplays have you seen in disc golf that you remember? Uh, on the live broadcast, very few. Like just just a couple. Like I said, where where someone I remember I can't remember who it was, but someone tossed the disc behind them, and then went back to their bag, came back yeah, up, and then I, played from that. Missed yeah, from that toss disc. That I, I, I can't remember who it was, but I do. I do. That's why I that. say it's just kind of crazy. It just it's doesn't happen very often. Very. All right, now we can move on to MPO. Let's talk about MPO. Uh, Kelvin Jonesboro Heimberg wins this one. I believe that's his middle name. Uh, mm. I think it's Jonesboro, which is why he wins a lot there. He ended up beating Eagle, which is funny because Eagle ended up tying for second, but by three strokes going into the last hole, they were tied. After some amazing back and forth play between the two of them, Kelvin hitting that eagle putt on 16 was cold, I'll say. Not just because Kelvin tends to be a little bit robotic and cold at, uh, uh, during coverage, but in general, it was a phenomenal putt uh, in a high-pressure situation. It was only, like only, I'm going to put that in quotes, about 45 feet downhill the way kelvin putts he doesn't usually miss left or right he usually misses high or low so the the miss in theory would have the worst miss for him would have been slightly high and skip off the top and then you go into the sand or even worse maybe into the water or behind some trees but the way Vinny was putting it was it was damn near dead center it was the most solid putt i've seen in a long time uh, especially on those baskets, which we saw a little bit of uh, give and take on those for some people. I've, I saw one or two that I was like, that that's, that was a 50-50. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I hate to blame equipment ever, though, because everyone plays on the same equipment. You all, Everyone knows, understands. I'm always a big proponent of saying you need to know the equipment you're playing on and adjust 
appropriately. If if you know these baskets don't catch well, middle high, got to hit a middle low. If you know that there's a, a good spot on the right side or the left side, that's where you got to be aiming. But we, I will say we saw a few. Those those chains are stiff. I'm going to just leave it at that. That combined with the wind that we saw made for a tough situation. But on the final hole of the round, Eagle, you know, Kelvin pipes one right up the center. Great throw. Eagle takes the route that he's most comfortable with, which is the giant hyzer, misses his line, catches some trees, falls out of bounds, and at that point, it's game. There's no way that Eagle can really catch up short of a literal 600-foot miracle. Eagle probably could have at that point played it safe and taken a, a, a second on his own, but he went for a another big shot, and it didn't pan out that well for him, quite literally. And I believe he went OB again. Mm-hmm. And ends up taking a seven to drop down, th- you know, three strokes. Oh, those rating points he's given. I know, to, and all the money. Think of all the money, Terry, mm. uh, to tie for second with Ben Calloway, who had a great weekend, and, and in general has had a couple good weekends recently. Other than crashing his car, I would say that's probably not a great weekend. And Isaac Robinson, who again has had a couple good weeks, <laughs> winning a major. And I'll say what we said about Kristen Tatar about having a letdown weekend. On the other podcast, on the Skip Base podcast, I said that Isaac Robinson, I would not count on Isaac Robinson this particular weekend, thinking that, in general, this tends to be a power thrower's course, and coming off of that major, it wouldn't have shocked me if he had taken 10th or 12th or 15th, sure. but he, well, just he performed. competitiveness, you, yeah, you, you, he wouldn't have necessarily been disappointed with a 10th no. anyway. Um, just because of the the competitiveness mm-hmm. of the overall but, division, but, but yeah, he came out. He came out, yeah. shot a great round. Uh, ends up tied for second. Uh, in fifth place, Andrew Presnell tied with Bradley Williams and Kyle Klein and Corey Ellis and James Conrad. Uh, and then your top ten, rounding it out, Gannon Bird, James Conrad, as we discussed, second round, one of probably the greatest DGPT rounds we've seen in recent memory possibly top five of maybe all time DGPT rounds uh, with his 17 under just the guy was unstoppable hit everything inside of circle two, except for one where he literally couldn't get there because he was on one knee on hole 14. I believe it was, he had to lay it up Mm, and drop it in. Other than that, he was unconscious and uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah, it uh, you know, and I know you you talked about it when we were with the with the other guys in the interview, and you know Conrad's card, he was on the fifth card. I mm-hmm. want to say when that had happened, and he shot the seventeen under. And the reality was there wasn't. We didn't two things. First of all, we didn't have a camera on him until I think his approach shot on twelve or his putt or both. Um, that's when we got a camera to him. Again, this is a little behind the scenes or a side note to it. When you have a course, like we saw even last weekend a little bit, yeah, and people were shredding at W.R. Jackson, or when you had a course like this weekend that we saw in the first two days especially, uh, taking place at Jonesboro, somebody to go six under through six or seven under through eight or nine through 11, like you really just, you can't count on that turning into or remaining or, or sustaining itself as a really phenomenal round. And then even at a certain point, there's there, there isn't enough of a payoff that let's just say somebody's in, there's a hundred spots. Somebody's in 73rd. They're nine under through nine. 
we're just getting going with our MPO broadcast, or we're just noticing it, that they've shot a perfect front nine. They're nine for nine. Let's just, I'm going to even just get a little more specific and say, maybe they're a thousand and two rated. Clearly, they're having a good day. They're killing it. Are, are they going to finish out as strong? Is it going to matter? Are they going to move from 73rd to 53rd? Is that still as much of a story? Clearly, a good round is a good round. However, it may not still be the best story of the day, depending on what ends up happening, of course. Mm -hmm. If they finish 13 out of 18, eh, it's a really good round. If they finish 16 or 17 or 18 out of 18, obviously, it's a different story. Just know that when when we collectively in the media do not have unlimited resources... Nor a crystal ball, hmm. though. That's why, and I, and that's where sometimes it gets a little irritating to see or read some of the the peanut galleries. Is I don't believe so and so shot blah blah blah, and you didn't even cover it. It's it's just not humanly possible. I love your angry internet or voice. Yeah, but, <laughs> and, and I'm typing really loudly and complaining. And I know this sounds kind of silly, but we joke in the in the control room about the curse of the camera. I can't count the number of times. We've gotten to like hole 13 or 12 and we see a player who's making a run. And so we send a camera because that's our job. If they're going to be part of the story, we're going to make them part of the story. We get to them and either they've, for whatever reason, just just bogeyed or double bogeyed or the camera gets there and maybe kind of affects the the vibe on the card because where suddenly you you have you're free to kind of do whatever you want. It's a little more casual. You, it when you're on like the fifth card or sixth card and there's no cameras there, it's a tournament. But you're playing with the same guys you probably play with all year long if you're on that high of a card. But suddenly there's a camera there. Things can get tense up a little bit, and you can truly affect a player's game. Now, from the media perspective, we have to ignore that because if I've if the player can't play in front of a camera, that's their problem. But we do know it is; it does affect players. So, you, we not that we weigh that at all, but we understand that that's uh, that's an issue. So, sending a camera to James um, is, you know, it was risky a little bit. It always is. But James is a major winner, two-time major winner actually, and just in general, one of our stars. And so that was probably I wasn't in the control room, but that was probably a no-brainer decision at that point. The way he was shooting, getting someone out there to twelve as soon as they probably could. So, yeah. yeah. Anything else on uh, MPO Jonesboro? Like we said, Calvin just wins this again. He's he he loves it. He's going to buy a house on the property. He might buy the property and just camp there. I don't know. He's uh, he's a, a force to be reckoned with, and he's officially, I think, on everybody's scale now, nah. the number one player Not on yours. Mine. He's like number four on yours, isn't he? Yeah. So who's number one for you? Oh, that's that's part of the secret. Oh, yeah. I can't reveal all of my ranking. You have to send spots. it. You, you have to be a Patreon supporter and yeah. then you get a scratch off yeah. card yeah. and it tells it on there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they so. show up. So, um, yeah, e- Eagle obviously was with a great battle. It cleared that we've seen mm-hmm. Eagle firing on. Uh, I don't even want to say all cylinders. And I know I know Doss has said this and I and I do agree with him in the sense that. It feels like and I think maybe even Sexton said it. In in similar words, that it feels like Eagles not he's he's playing far from perfect, and what feels like just kind of okay, but yet here he is on top of the leaderboard, and that's really honestly a compliment. Like it doesn't even look like he's playing great golf, 
and he's still right there in that conversation. And I think, uh, you know, if he gets to, to a point where he he's playing great golf, then yes, of course, he's going to be that much more troublesome. Also, the fact that, you know, and I know he's not playing again, and and I know we talk about him all the time, but they're definitely the real, uh, not the real story. A real story is that Paul Macbeth continues to not be relevant. Not only, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, not only not dominant. That that's that's definitely not the word. Not uh, in contention or yeah, relevant as you're saying, which. He's you, just you just keep a lot of fans keep wondering, hey, is this is this a is this a short term thing? Is this uh you know what's causing this? Is there something specific? Is it a he, time and era? Is it a is it the beginning of an end, or is it just a slow time for him? Because clearly it's not like it's you know, and I want to be very clear, I don't want any of his fan club to come screaming at me that it's um you know he's not flopping and flailing miserably like a like a washed up hack nobody's claim i don't think anybody's claiming that but it's not what you said before the show he's definitely not uh not being in contention and even being in consideration for a few of these events especially when you look back to him performing well at this event last year you know as one more just added mm-hmm. factor so it's not like he doesn't know or like the course or doesn't can't play it well he just uh, hasn't been performing. So I think that's part of the story. And then similarly, it may be unfortunately a harsher fashion this particular weekend, Kevin Jones, uh, this, did he miss cash or take bottom cash? I, um, I'm not exactly sure. But again, a hometown guy that we has played well. To just kind of, yeah, really make sure he breaks out in this capacity in this sense. And that just wasn't the case this weekend. So, um, you know, we, we could fast forward six weeks and just say Kevin Jones coming off his, you know, fifth, Top three in a row, so I. That's why I don't put a whole lot of stock in some of these things, but there's still conversation pieces and points that can be made. So, uh, any other events that are worth uh, quickly touching on, uh, a tiers or otherwise that we usually kind of chatter about? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, what I will say is we we knew we didn't we didn't know Cat was going to win or that Kelvin was going to win for that matter. Uh, we knew, though, that this conversation that was going to be had tonight, although we didn't have a lot of details ahead of time, we knew that the conversation was going to be had. So already last Thursday, there was a lock-in to have Jonathan and Jeff join us, which we appreciate them doing, uh, especially on such a crazy media day. Uh, someone commented on my page earlier saying they're disappointed that they didn't see Cat Merch or Calvin. Uh, I've reached out to Cat, and there is a chance that if our schedules align, I may have some form of, I guess Ooh. it wouldn't really be a drop zone, but it'd be like a podcast of my sorts, maybe that maybe if it works out technology and time wise that I catch up with her, or as I told her, if that doesn't work out that we do something in the next day or two and I release it, that uh, we'll just have to have her on next time when she wins, which at this rate, uh, she's obviously trending in the right <laughs> direction. Um, it, it feels like maybe this could also be a spark that obviously gets her that much more, uh, I don't want to say, I guess, comfortable with winning uh, third and now a first in her last two weekends. Clearly she knows what she's doing out there. So, and it's great. We've said it a lot about the FPO field, the, um, the diversity that we have in our winners. You know, I know Kate, <laughs> as I say, called KT, uh, Kristen Tatar has, has been up on the podium, if not the top of the podium for a while, but we have seen a lot of other people. And if, 
you know, I follow social media, seeing Sayananda saying she's back on the she's back on the road now. I think she's at Masters Cup this upcoming weekend, and then she'll be joining the tour. You've got uh, Aria, you've got Holland, you've got probably hopefully Paige Pierce coming back soon. Cat, we have such a variety of women who can all compete, and I know this sounds a little silly, but it might be even more exciting without Tatar. With as dominant as she is, there is, I mean, UDISC, if you look at the UDISC win probabilities, even before the rounds start, she's usually at 60%. The fact that she won't be here, I feel like could open up the field to even maybe more variety of winners. Yeah, it will. And then you, uh, the worst and part, though, is everyone's going to say, Terry. Yeah, well, no, I don't, know, no, stop they, with the internet voice. Won. Stop with the internet they, voice. They won, I hate but it. Kristen wasn't here, so it doesn't count. No, I, no, no. Stop. You only won because she wasn't here. Stop with the internet voice. <laughs> Just saying. That's only one, it. once per podcast, Oh, please. no, no, no. There's no <laughs> limits. If there's, when there's one internet troll, then I get, then I'm limited to just one, one uh, voice. I understand that might be the conversation, but I don't care. Again, as you have always said, only beat the people that show up so uh and in jumping ahead to the next event uh the elite series event that's in two weeks of course as everyone's making their trek i i pulled it up on google maps this weekend uh 2030 miles 2022 miles to go from arkansas to santa cruz it's a little bit of a hike. Well, I'm sorry. Some are going, correction, some are going to, that's what it is to Santa Cruz. Some are going to play the Ma- uh, Masters Cup this weekend, which is not an elite series. It's not a silver series. It's not a major NT. None of those. It's an A tier. And we still have a really good uh, set of people playing there. But roughly 2,000 miles to get from Arkansas to Stockton for OTB Open. And more than one player said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having that entire extra week as our, our tour is moving across country. That's where we see Owen signed up, Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, so on and so forth. Valerie is currently on it. We'll see if Valerie Mandahano is possibly back in the mix. Obviously, it, I'll uh, say, a couple more weeks for that. So. I'm excited to see Valerie get back on the course. I don't want to see her at Masters Cup. No, I yeah, I, I'm saying OTB. Oh, OTB. Oh, I thought you yeah, said. Yeah. I thought that no, was Masters sorry, Cup. No, I was going to say if there's a course where you're going to roll your ankle again, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be Masters <laughs> Cup. Please, Valerie, one. do not play Masters Cup. No, take that extra week and no. and go to OTB. I, did her, I didn't look, but I don't see her register for that. I'm, I'm okay. Hoping, assuming that's a good call that she's not necessarily uh, signed up for that one. And for those of you that are wondering, Masters Cup will have post production uh, Central Coast and some other company out there for doing final round FPO, but. Central Coast doing all rounds MPO post production. I was going to uh, ask that, so I, um, guess I cool. assumed as much. I assumed, I assumed as much as well, and I was right. Uh, yes, and then uh, Glenn actually asked a great question, which is this weekend. I myself, because uh, of course I wouldn't dare take a weekend off because that'd be too smart for me. Uh, I committed many months ago, and I'm super excited to head back down to Huck Central, and we're going to have three rounds of post production coverage down there. They have a new course in the mix that might be a preview for something that hits the Pro Tour in the next five years. So excited to get a chance to check out the property. Uh, there'll be one round at, I think it's Okani, Okani, Okani is the is the property. And then the other two rounds will be over there at the, uh, in the central, central, the city's name is Central. So if you get confused because it's in the northwest corner uh, of South Carolina, it's called Central South Carolina, and it's not in the center of south carolina 
Uh, but that's where I'll be this weekend. Looking forward to doing some post-production. And the last note on post-production, uh, Ace Run uh, had a, a an emergency that they had to rush off for. Hopefully everything is good with them. I've checked in with them, but uh, they weren't able to uh, be in Arkansas for rounds two and three of the FPO stuff and uh, the quick check-in I had with them as, it's, as they're out on the board as well. But sounds like uh, they're they're doing everything they can to be back on the road and prepared to, again, give you the chase card action over at the OTB and then continue on with the rest of the tour. So hugs and, and love to uh, all of them and uh, hope everything works out that we'll see you guys again at the OTB in a few weeks. Is that all we got for the regular show, Johnny? That is. Uh, I like it. All right, guys and gals and everyone, we're going to close things out for now. Uh, What that means is the after show will be right around the corner. And what does the after show have? It's got a little bit of silliness talking about things going on that may or may not be within the sport of disc golf. Also, we'll read more up on the comments for what you guys are giving us for questions or other topics that you might want to hear us discuss. And uh, we'll see if things get sideways from there. So we got to thank Jonathan along with Jeff. Big day here in Disc Golf Media. It's on a Tuesday. What a coincidence. We love to see it. So thank you guys both for joining us. Congratulations to all parties. And we look forward to Disc Golf continuing to thrive and grow and the entire Disc Golf Media landscape. Uh, We know it's a bear out there, and uh, we're just going to keep charging forward. This has been Smashbox TV Podcast 453. That's Johnny. I'm Terry. We'll see you guys in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.